Américas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. And look at that. Love was in the air this past weekend at Azteca. Herc, how do we feel about the in-stadium proposal? I'm usually against in-stadium proposal, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping this marriage proposal isn't uh-huh. an indication of what their marriage will be like. Shortly after this, another Cruz Azuleada right <laughs> in front in El Estadio Azteca. Santos get their first win of the season. Right. You're hoping that the, uh, the couple stays happier longer than the Cruz Azul fans did on the night. 30 minutes later, yes, they, uh, they tasted defeat as they often do late against Santos. We'll get into that. We got lots to cover, Herc, in this show. MLS opening weekend, all the reaction to that. We have a second victim, Herc, to the Liga MX hot seat in the last week, and maybe some more victims to come. We got an interview with Gerdan Shakiri, which, of course, will be available in extended form on the Football Americas podcast, plus Christian Pulisic in the Carabao Cup final. But let's start, Herc, with Monday's managerial news. Jesse Marsh has been appointed Leeds United manager pending international clearance this after Leeds and Marcelo Bielsa parted ways over the weekend. The move comes a little less than three months after Marsh himself was let go by RB Leipzig and makes Marsh at 48 years old just the third American ever, along with Bob Bradley at Swansea and David Wagner at Huddersfield Town to manage in the Premier League. Here's Marsh just hours after taking over. One of the things I love about this team right now is their commitment, no matter how difficult the games have been, to play to the end, to fight for each other, to never stop, to give everything what the, that they have to each other at every moment. So this mentality, this mindset to, to play for the fans, to fight for the fans, to fight for each other, this is what I love. And I think my style of play, my aggressiveness, uh, the, the desire I have for teams to be intensive and to run and, and to make things difficult for the opponent fits with what has been done here the last three and a half years. So um, it will be a big challenge to do it in a short period of time and now make sure that, that we evolve in a way that can be successful for what the future may bring, but do it now. I have a lot to prove to our fan base that, that I'm the right guy to, to follow such a hero like Marcelo Bielsa. But I think the key is that when they see the team play, right, and if the team plays with passion and they play with heart and they give everything they have and they, they show that they're also intelligent and clear with the playing model and they're aggressive, then I think normally the fans will tolerate the coach even if they don't like his accent or, the, or if he's not as, as popular as the previous coach. And over time, I, I found that I've always had an incredibly passionate and, and well-connected relationship with the fan bases everywhere I've gone. So there we have it, Herc. Leeds United right now, 16th place in the Premier League, very much in a relegation dogfight. Is it the ideal landing spot for Jesse Marsh? I feel so. Uh, in terms of playing style, it's very similar to Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, you look at the high intensity, how aggressive they are going forward, that full throttle type of football. Maybe not defensively because Marcelo Bielsa was more man-on-man marking, sort of like Matias Almeida and what he deployed at Chivas or San Jose, which is very dangerous, very chaotic, and which is why, quite frankly, we see Leeds as the league's worst defense in the Premier League. Um, but in terms of playing style, it won't be something he's unfamiliar with. It's the same type of brand 
brand that's given him success at Red Bull New York and Red Bull Salzburg. Uh, it's also very similar to what these players are used to. The only difference maybe is the defensive cues. Uh, not man marking, more zoning, more off plays, more off cues, off of sequences. That'll change. But this is an ideal situation for Jesse Marsh. Listen, not too many people get a chance to be a part of a Premier League setup. If you have that type of opportunity, especially for a guy like Jesse Marsh, you take it. You heard that last little cue right there where he mentioned mm -hmm. his accent. Where, and I've always said, and you know this, I'm a big proponent that the American passport plays against the players, the manage, managers when it comes in Europe, no more than in the Premier League. Look, it's not ideal. It is a good landing spot. I got to say, I'm pretty surprised, Herc, because when Jesse Marsh goes out of RB Leipzig the way that he does, I don't think a lot of us were saying, all right, his next job is going to be in the Premier League. I, I think this is, we have to say in some way, this is a surprise. You gave a lot of reasons why you think it's an ideal landing spot. Let me give you a few why I okay. think it's not. One, I don't, I don't think going into a relegation fight is ideal for a manager, right? They're 16th right now. Uh, they're two points from the drop zone. And the two teams that are directly behind them have two games in hand. So there's a lot of work to do uh, for Jesse Marsh. It's a very pressure situation. Not that RB Leipzig wasn't, but I think so even more here, right? You're talking about surviving in the Premier okay. League. A couple other reasons. He's following, as he mentioned in that interview, an absolute club legend Again. in Bielsa. They love him there. He's the guy that after 16 years away from the Premier League got them there. So I think to me, um, you don't ever want to be the guy that follows the guy. Following Bielsa is not going to be easier. The one thing I'll say is this too. It's not just that he's American, Herc. It's that the ownership is American. Let's not forget about half this team is owned by the San Francisco 49ers. If you go back to Bob Bradley's time at Swansea, yes, they picked on Bob Bradley because he was an American. I think it hurt him double because the ownership at Swansea, much like the ownership here at Leeds United, was also American. So it's not just an American coach. It's an American coach brought in by American owners. And that worries me for Jesse Marsh because we know if the fans turn against you, that's when you get in trouble. Let's get to brass tax time here, Herc. He's got 12 games left. You think Jesse Marsh is going to save Leeds United from relegation? Um, that's a million-dollar question, right? But if we Maybe look more, at the numbers, more than a million dollars, a lot. You're right. But parachute payments uh, at the championship will, will get you back up if, if you're smart about it. If I'm Jesse Marsh, I'm not taking this job, this opportunity, unless I know that there's a chance that even if I do go down, they see confidence in me to bring the team back up. Mm. Now you're right about not wanting to be the man that comes after the man. And that's happened to him already at Leipzig with Julian Nagelsmann. We see how that happened. Now we see how that turned out for him. What I will say is, if you go and look at last place Norwich City, to 11th place, that right now is Crystal Palace, the difference is 13 points, Seb. It's 13 points, 12 games. Uh, this team needs to be better defensively. That's it. Offensively, they're a very good team. Lots of injuries this season. A very bad defensive team that got in a very, I don't even want to say bad defensive team, a team that got in a defensive uh, weak mode, and I think Jesse can get him out of that. This is a team that offensively can play well in that chaotic type of style that he can deploy. I don't see why not. But that said, it is the Premier League. Every game will be a dogfight. 20 goals conceded, Herc, in their last five. He's got to sort that out. Now, their next six is not bad. The running's not all bad. The last six is where I get worried. He's got Chelsea. Yeah. He's got City. Yeah. He's got Arsenal. And he's got a game the last day of the season against Brentford. Oh, watch out. That might be that might be for salvation in the Premier League. Uh, one more thing worth noting. A lot of this is going to come down to the health of a couple key players. Calvin Phillips, who we saw at the Euros for England, yeah. key player that isn't playing right now. Patrick Bamford, that's where your goals come from. He's not playing. But both those guys reportedly could be back in as little as 10 days. If those guys come back, 
they slide right into the lineup and they start producing, then Jesse Marsh, I think you got a, a pretty good chance at keeping leads up. All right, so that was Monday's news. Let's go then to Sunday's game, right? We had maybe the game of the weekend, maybe the best 0-0 ever. Her Chelsea-Liverpool final of the Carabao Cup. You saw it on ESPN+. Plus. Liverpool ends up winning on penalties. But Christian Pulisic, let's focus on him. He started and he played 74 minutes before giving way to Timo Werner. Herc on Twitter, you said he was, quote, very good in his 100th appearance for Chelsea. You care to expand on that very good? Yeah, very good, except here he needs to put that away. Mm. He really needs to put that away from that distance. He hits it right into the goalkeeper. Uh, we see Kai Havertz, the way he combines. Look, Christian Pulisic was everywhere, especially in transition. You cannot convince me this man is not a big game player. Check the resume. That's who he is. The uh, SOFA score, which a lot of people like to look at, gives you a grade of 1 to 10, actually had him the lowest Chelsea starter tied with Mason Mount, but that sounds harsh. I'm with you that he should have finished the, the first chance, but the run on that first chance, uh, that's the run of a confident Ooh. player. And how about this pass to Mason Mount? This look should have been that an assist. Pass. That should have been an assist. Yeah, we didn't see the, 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 the earlier Mason Mount chance that Christian Pulisic himself set up. This is a sexy pass. Left foot chips it over Mason Mount. 1v1 with the goalkeeper. Uh, he's got to put that away off the post. But that little sexy dink right there. Mm. And he always seems to show up against Liverpool. It's insane. Pulisic uh, with a very, very strong first half. Maybe a little bit more quiet in the second half. That was that was one of the highlights. But still, Herc, uh, you got 74 minutes. I got to say, I was kind of surprised when, when Thomas Ducal took him out. Uh, towards the end of the match. There you see his numbers from Sunday uh, as Chelsea failed to lift the Carabao Cup. So we got five games left uh, till the international window. Herc, do you think Christian Pulisic has now made himself a lock in Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea starting 11? Let me just say, if you're an offensive player in Chelsea's system with Thomas Tuchel, you're not a lock in any game. There seems to be some sort of rotation or some sort of mind games with Thomas Tuchel. What I will say is Lukaku not playing has opened the door for Kai Havertz to be that nine. And as long as Kai Havertz is that nine, Christian Pulisic has a place on this team. Now, look at the association between Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, and Christian Pulisic. They enjoy playing with each other, and they bring the best out of each other. Kai Havertz as a nine, Christian Pulisic underneath, Mason Mount on the side. That, to me, is the best triangle offense right now that you can have if Lukaku's not in there. I still feel you need to regain Lukaku's form somehow. He's too much of an impact player for him not to be on the field. But as long as Kai Havertz there, it just makes sense. Christian Pulisic has such an understanding with these two individuals. I don't see how you can take him out. Since he came on as a sub in the Club World Cup final, it's been Christian Pulisic time. And I think Thomas Tuchel has recognized that because in the most important games, he's gotten that run. Remember when we used to think Timo Werner was Christian Pulisic's competition? This game, to me, proved clearly, at least to me, and I hope to Thomas Tuchel as well, the gap between those two players. And, Herc, I think that's saying something. Timo Werner is a, is a 50 million pound player, a guy who had 30 goals in the Bundesliga at one point. Did you see the difference in quality? Christian Pulisic is a confident player, a playmaker. You see Timo Werner, I mean, almost when he gets the ball, you see his teammates be like, all right, this is ending up in the stands. I mean, it's not just us watching. It's the people literally on the field with Timo Werner. So let's give Christian Pulisic. He's not just played his way into the starting 11, Herc. More importantly than anything, he's played his way into his best 
position in this starting 11. He's not starting these games three in a row, by the way, at right wing back or as a false nine. He's starting in that position, one of the two positions just under the number nine. As you say, he's playing right next to Mason Mount, which I think is bringing the best out of Christian Pulisic. The one thing to stay in that 11, to your point about Thomas Stuckel, is the productivity needs to be there. His first season in the Premier League, across all competitions with Chelsea, it was a goal every three games. Since then, it's been a goal every six every seven games. If he finishes that chance, that's what we're talking about. That productivity goes up. The one thing that I'm, I'm always at least a little bit worried about is that this is a different position than what he plays with the national team, right? It's not the wide spot in a 4-3-3, Herc. It's a 3-4-2-1. It's a double-10. And it's 10. a little bit more central. It's so a double-10. We love to see him have success, but I'm not sure yet if it will slide over to the national team because we have to be honest. It's a similar role but it is slightly different, at least at where he is on the field. And stop mentioning sofa scores and all these... Come ah, on. look at you. You hate data. The anti-data Hercules Gomez. Now, uh, next up for Christian Pulisic, the FA Cup, which, of course, you can also see on ESPN+. Plus. Fifth round against Luton Town. That is on Wednesday. Uh, don't miss it right here on ESPN+. Plus. Herc, let's run it back. We'll start with Luca De La Torre. Days, Herc, after you said he should take injured Weston McKinney's spot in the U.S. 11, he gets his first goal of the season for Heracles in a 2-0 win. He hurt me. That's a sexy little dink. Uh, a no goalkeeper, I understand. Get your first goal. He's already been man of the match plenty of times. Team of the month? Yep, that's been on there too. Now he wants a spot without Weston McKinney. By the way, my birthday's coming up in April. If you want to give me a gift, I need a Heracles jersey. Yes, a Heracles with Hercules on the back. Jordan Peefock, third straight game with an assist for Young Boys. Herc, I thought all he did was score. Uh, yes, all he does is score, but he's learning how to facilitate, how to serve others, and that's a dangerous nine. If he's not on the roster come March, we revolt. It's that mm. simple. Young Boys, a 3-1 winners at home on Sunday, and for Peefock, it was his fourth league assist of the season. How about Ethan Horvath getting a second straight start for Nottingham Forest on Saturday and Herc picking up a second straight clean sheet amid reports of a potential loan move back to MLS and with some injury concerns for Zach Steffen and Matt Turner. Some injury concerns they've not played. March qualifiers are right around the corner. Ethan Horvath, I mean, if it's not him, who is it? Sean Johnson? So it's a good time to start playing for Ethan. Nottingham Forest goalie uh, serving a three-match suspension. So I think Ethan's going to get another one on Friday. Serginho Dest, 90 minutes for Barcelona in their 4-0 win over Athletic Club de Bilbao. What's interesting here, Herc, is he played left back in a back four. Yeah, good players can play anywhere. Wasn't that what uh, Xavi said? Isn't mm -hmm. this what Puyol says? Uh, Luis Garcia, uh, also Liverpool, a good player, a good player in what was uh, Spain, said the same thing. This is a good player right now, and he's playing with confidence. He's keeping it simple, and he's full of confidence. His third straight start for Barcelona, by the way. They're rolling as well. Xavi saying he has shown that he has what it takes to be a Barcelona player. My, how the turns have tabled for young Serginho Des Turns in Barcelona. Uh, by the way, next up for Des Xavi and Barcelona. Sunday, away to Elche. Uh, Barcelona seeking their fourth straight win across all competitions. You can catch it on ESPN+. Meanwhile, Herc, in the Bundesliga, Augsburg drew 1-1 with Borussia Dortmund on Sunday, a result that may have ended up Finishing any hopes of a Bundesliga title race between Dortmund and Bayern. It was another frustrating day for Ricardo Pepe. He started, but was 
pulled in the 59th minute, which means he's still goalless since that big money European move. In fact, Augsburg's goal came with Pepe on the bench. Now, there was some good news. His parents reportedly were at the WWK Arena for the first time, so I'm sure he hung out with them afterwards. He also hung out with our Archie Rin Tut post-game. Am I right in thinking that I can see your parents over there? Yeah, yeah. How does that make you feel? No, especially, you know, as a young kid, you know, I always dreamed of, dreamed of having my parents here, you know, playing in Europe. So, you know, especially having them in the stands and, you know, I want to keep fighting for them. How has it been to see them again? It must have been a while. No, it's crazy. You know, it's been about two months almost, you know, and seeing them here in, in Germany, it's a little different, you know, but it's always like home. And what's the difference for you settling in from the MLS here to the Bundesliga? How have you found it so far? I feel like so far it's been positive, you know, so far it's been positive. Obviously the major difference is the speed of play, you know, over here you don't have a lot of time. The game is a little quicker, so, you know, it's, it's a little different. How's your German? It's getting better and better. <laughs> All right, Hercules, I'm not very good at math, but I did the math today. 152 days since Ricardo Pepe's last club goal. Is it time to hit the panic button? Uh, yeah, I I'd say so. Listen, you remember that book at the over-under? Oh, yeah, yeah, it I was remember. five and a half. Okay, you've got ten games. He needs six, six goals. Are you going to retract that? Do you want to go back on that bet? Uh, yes, I definitely okay. said the over, and at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say he's not going to get there. Okay, October last year, last goal, okay? And that was two goals versus Jamaica, U.S. men's national team. Since then, for what is FC Dallas, the U.S. men's national team, and now FC Osberg, by my count, I think that's 13 games. 100 and what? How many days did you say? 152. Okay, part of the process of being a young player is learning how to cope with these streaks or these droughts, if you will. He's got tons of intangibles. It comes with every forward's life. What worries me is the patience because they don't have a lot of room. 10 games, okay? They're in 15th place. They're tied on points of Hertha Berlin who are, in the rele are already in the relegation zone. Four mm -hmm. points above Stuttgart. Difficult times ahead, and I'm not sure if he's going to get that benefit of the doubt. I'm not sure if we're going to see Ricardo Pepe in Bundesliga 2 next season. So I think this is all which perspective you look at it from, right? If you look at it from a U.S. perspective, I actually don't think it's time to hit the panic button because you never should have been relying on a 19-year-old to qualify you for a World Cup. Plus, as we just saw, you got Jordan Pifok right now who is red hot. You got Josh Sargent who started three straight games. I know, not as a striker. You got Daryl DK who's back to training now. So you have other options if Greg Berhalter's willing to go with those other options, even if it's one that he knows and he's comfortable with, like a Jesus Ferreira. There are other options for the U.S., for Ricardo Pepe, I think it is time to hit the panic alarm. One, you mentioned Bundesliga 2. I just think at this point, Herc, it, we can probably look at this saying that, say there's very little evidence that this was the right move, right? Both in terms of where he ended up, Augsburg, a team that doesn't create, is in a relegation dogfight, and also the timing of it, right? One, you walk into a team mid-season, so you don't have time to acclimate yourself, and two, in the summer, we know there would have been way more options, right? Assuming that he stays playing and assuming that he continued what he was doing at FC Dallas, there would have been better choices for him than a relegation-threatened Augsburg. I'm not saying he should have been listening to Football Américas and Jurgen Klinsmann way back in the day, but maybe they should have been listening to Football Américas and Jurgen Klinsmann uh, back in the day. Augsburg right now, 15th out of 18, uh, very much in the relegation 
threat. All right, let's go to the other side of that game, right? It was Augsburg Dortmund. Of course, Dortmund where we find Gio Reyna, who re-aggravated the hamstring injury that kept him out for more than five months last weekend. It looked at the time almost certain that uh, he'd missed the upcoming World Cup qualifiers for the U.S. But we got some good news. In an exclusive interview with our Jeff Carlisle, Reyna said he's, quote, pretty positive about a return. Let's hear what else he had to tell Jeff. What's been the, the toughest aspect of the injury for you? Yeah, I think for me it's kind of, you know, playing is kind of the one time of day where uh, whether it's practice or, or a game is kind of the one time of day where everything else kind of goes out the window and you just get to kind of relax and play. So um, it's almost like kind of like a therapy to – to me and it's kind of what I've been doing my whole life so it's when when something you love so much is kind of just taken away from you for for that long and you don't really know how long you won't be able to play I guess it's kind of kind of frustrating but uh no it was yeah and then I probably just the boredom it's just too much time playing video games and too much time sitting on the couch too much time uh, not being able to to get your energy out, so uh, yeah. But uh, I'm just happy I'm I'm towards the end now, and yeah, I'm looking forward to to coming back. What's your your communication been like with Greg Berhalter, you know, with the national team? I mean, what you know, how much have you talked to him, and and what's been his uh, message to you? Yeah, we've been consistently talking. Obviously, we have a relationship that uh, goes farther than just uh, him being my coach. Obviously, we're really close with each other's families so uh yeah I think just in general to to check in obviously I think uh he would love to have me back and I would love to be back for the national team so um and we have a, a main goal over there too which is just to qualify for the world cup in the in the end of March so um yeah we're just he's just checking in with me we're checking in with each other and uh yeah just to see how we can uh make it happen what are your thoughts on World Cup qualifying so far for the U.S.? Yeah, it's. I always tell the guys here, it's it's not as easy as it looks. Maybe maybe certain teams from Central America don't look as uh, on paper as as uh, tough as some teams in Europe. But uh, if you fly five or six hours all the way down there, and it's ninety ninety five degrees with the sun beating down on you with sixty thousand in the stadium, it's on a pretty bad bad pitch it's not that easy so um yeah it's been up and downs you know I think we put ourselves in a position where we definitely should and can qualify in the next window and uh yeah we just have to take care of business it's in our hands so uh yeah I'm sure uh everyone is confident that we'll we'll be able to to get it done how confident are you that or how optimistic are you that you'll be able to participate in those games um that's a tough question i hope i'll i'll be back before that i'm uh i'm pretty positive i will be so um yeah i'm doing well now and then i hope i can uh be back within the next next couple of games for dortmund so herc it's not a guarantee but pretty positive i think you'll take that ahead of march 24th Absolutely, I'll take that ahead of March 24th. You need to get some games under, under him. It's been a long time, over six months, that he's had a run. Get his feet wet, get it back on the field, because the U.S. Men's National Team could use him. 
Plenty more, by the way, from Jeff Carlisle on our website, ESPN.com. And a little bit more of that interview, about six, seven minutes of it, available on the ESPN FC YouTube channel. Of course, Bundesliga available for you on ESPN+. Plus. On Saturday, we got Stuttgart against Mönchengladbach. Stuttgart, of course, managed by American Pellegrino Matarazzo, who will join us on Football Americas on Thursday. Can't wait for that. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, good weekend for Mexican players in Europe, Herc. In Syria, Johan Vasquez started and played the full 90 as a left back as relegation threatened Genoa held defending champions Inter Milan to a scoreless draw. Not bad for the youngster. Taking Tata Martino. Taking <laughs> Tata Martino. Does he watch Serie A? Do you think Tata Martino? I know he doesn't watch Liga Mekis, but do you think he watches Serie A? I, I hope so. I'm sure we can get him a, a subscription plan. It was the fifth straight draw, by the way. For Genoa, the only problem is uh, these guys need wins. They need wins badly right now. 19th out of 20 in Syria, uh, very much in the relegation zone. In Spain, Hector Herrera, another start. His third straight for Atletico de Madrid as they beat Celta Vigo 2-0 on Saturday. Herc, they're calling his performance a masterclass. Wasn't that Alicia Keys song? Hector Herrera's on fire! Is that how it goes? Why I, I is forget it, the lyrics. Why yeah. is it that MLS comes knocking around, the Houston Dynamo goes see him, and all of a sudden this man's like lighting it up, and Atletico's like so eager to showcase him? There you go. They got, got to put him out there. Pat Onstad was in uh, in Spain. We need, to, we need to see him. By the way, uh, Celta, they started Nestor Araujo. That's a good news for Mexico fans. Uh, Orbelin did not play, but there you see it. The Atletico Madrid Twitter account giving Ache all sorts of love. What about Seville? El Gran Derby. Sevilla, Real Betis. And Tecatito Corona started. He played the full 90, and Herc, he was generally excellent at Sevilla. 1-2-1. He's been excellent uh, since he left that toxic environment of Porto, of Jose Conceição, and he came into the loving arms of Julian Lopetegui. Daddy, I'm here. <laughs> How about this? El autopase. I mean, this is when you know the players at, like, just high, high confidence. First the self-pass, then the beautiful ball in. It eventually uh, leads to a penalty for Sevilla, uh, this team right now, in the top four, trying to cleat themselves close. Uh, everybody talking about Tecatito, including his manager. En ese aspecto de la sensación más que te da muchas opciones, ¿no? Porque juega en la izquierda, puede jugar de lateral, también un poco más arriba en la banda derecha como hoy. Los buenos jugadores normalmente juegan bien en casi todos los sitios. 
Okay, Herc, so just like the U.S., Mexico got some players heating up ahead of the March 24th showdown. Of the three folks on the screen, who do you think is most important to El Tri right now? Well, this is easy by default, but it's also easy because it makes sense. I mean, uh, if you look at Johan Vasquez, he's not even in the picture for Tata Martino. Right. Ache, well, Tata Martino has gone out and said that he's his best player for El Tri. Tecatito Corona, if we look at his form, how poor it's been with L3 and World Cup qualifying, we've questioned him starting for L3. And the fact that L3 struggles to score, the fact that they struggle to put the ball in the back of the net, get anything going uh, from wing play, creativity into a central position, you need Tecatito Corona to be back to his old ways. You need him to be confident. You need him in the first game of that window against the U.S. Men's National Team to do what he always has done against the U.S. Men's Men's national team hurt them because that's who he is. Chicharito's last goal against the U.S. Men's National Team, last goal for the Mexican national team was a nutmeg on Sergio Dest, chip to Javier Hernandez, header. His goal in the Nations League final, Mark McKenzie gives the ball away and then he roofs it, left footed finish for the first goal. You need him running on all cylinders to be a productive team. I'm not going to argue with you on Tecatito. I think it's a very good shout, especially with the injury concerns of Chucky Lozano. Yeah. If Chucky was coming in hot, I might say, listen, Tecatito hasn't been there for a while. They don't need him that much. I think you can make a point and make a case for Hector Herrera, though. Um, Mexico's last window, they get seven points, but let's be honest. It was three bad performances. If he is their best player, if he is their best, they you were, don't think, you think Mexico played well in any of those three Jamaica, games? Jamaica, they were good. Yeah, they dominated against Jamaica. Easy, buddy. Dominated. Wow. Okay. You gotta. Okay. You gotta okay. open your eyes when you watch. No, 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 no. Listen, Mexico didn't play well. They didn't play well. And if he's the best player, I think there's a correlation between the team playing poorly and the best player playing poorly. He's got three straight starts now. He's doing exceptionally well. I think it's a big boost for him, and I think Mexico needs him, man. That that midfield is where this team is going to have its engine. If he's playing like he is here. And I want to quote Derek Ray here, huh? Derek Ray called Hector Herrera Atletico's choreographer-in-chief. If he could be choreographer-in-chief for Mexico, I think Mexico will look a lot better than they did in the last three. On Johan Vasquez, at what point are we maybe going to see him as a left-back for Mexico, huh? We know, we know Tata doesn't want to put him in the central defense, but we know Gallardo's not the guy. Arteaga's gotten, Arteaga's gotten a little bit of run, but if Johan Vasquez can start for Genoa and be part of a clean sheet against Inter Milan, maybe that's his ticket into the national team. Quickly, I'm not trying to see Johan Vasquez as a left back. More importantly, Mm -hmm. how did Derek Ray say Hector Herrera? How did Derek Ray what? Pronounce Hector Herrera, because that's the most important thing. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, I can't do that. On Achiachi, let's acknowledge the dudes he's left on the bench, too, huh? A couple of big-time internationals. True. Rodrigo de Paul and Coque. Spain and Argentina. That's that's not bad for a guy who who couldn't get minutes, what, just a couple months ago. We got, of course, La Liga on ESPN+. Plus. We also have Copa del Rey on ESPN+. Plus. The semifinals this week, the first of the semifinals, Valencia against Athletic Club de Bilbao. It's the second leg Wednesday. Coverage starts 3.25 p.m. Eastern time right here on ESPN+. Plus. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase.
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Opening weekend of Major League Soccer in the books. And Herc, what an opening weekend it was. Uh, let's start in your hometown, Los Angeles, where, as you just saw, LAFC 3 nothing winners over the Colorado Rapids thanks to a hat trick from Carlos Vela and then the LA Galaxy uh, with a 1-0 win over the defending champions New York City FC the game winner late from Chicharito so which LA team Herc had a better opening weekend Uh, the LA Galaxy and it's Quite frankly, not even close. You look at what LAFC did against Colorado. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Colorado play? Ah. Did you see them mid- midweek against Comunicaciones? Look, Carlos Vela did very well. Carlos Vela did Carlos Vela type things. Okay, good look for Steve Chirondolo and LAFC versus a very bad Colorado Rapids. Mm-hmm. But did you see the LA Galaxy versus defending MLS Cup champions? They took the ball away from New York City FC. Who does that? It was 54-46 possession for the Galaxy. The Galaxy in what LA needs to be a strong place to play. LA needs, MLS needs both LA teams to be good. They've needed the Galaxy to be a contender. The Galaxy better defensively posted a shutout, something they had not done uh, in quite some time, going on six months, if we will. They don't do it quite a lot. And they got Javier Hernandez on the score sheet. They took the ball away from New York City FC. They limited Tati Castellanos to only two shots, zero of which were on target. Frustrated New York City FC, got the win at home, and cemented them as a contender in the West. More impressive what the Galaxy did. More impressive what Javier Hernandez has done. 20 goals in 28 starts, I believe. It's an insane quota. He shot 41 times on target. 20 of those have gone in. That's Half the time he shoots, the ball's going in the back of the net. What Galaxy has managed to do with Javier Hernandez, what they've managed to do and revamp here in Los Angeles with Greg Vanny is to be applauded against New York City FC, a team that wowed us last year, a team that wowed us midweek. That's impressive. Colorado, yeah, you saw what that was (laughs) midweek. LAFC, yeah, I've seen that from Carlos Vela before as well. Yeah, uh, I'm with you here. I'm with you here because it, it was a good weekend for LAFC, but mm-hmm. it was really a great weekend for Carlos Vela, right? Because not only does he have the hat trick, we know the contract expires yeah. in six months. And a few hours before kickoff, what do we start to hear? Reports, maybe he's interested in a move back to Spain. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe he's interested in a move back to inner, to inner Miami. Okay, so if you're LAFC, yeah, you had a good weekend, but you're going to have an expensive summer if you want to keep Carlos Vela around. So, so that's something to consider from the LAFC perspective. I'm with you on the opponent's here, right? Like, what, is, what does beating Colorado mean? Beating New York is impressive. Not only the, the defending champs, Herc, they're a team that really didn't turn over very much from last year. They're a team that's playing in CCL so and, and look good in CCL against lower competition, yeah. but is game ready, something the Galaxy weren't, and the Galaxy got a win, and as you mentioned, got Chicharito going. The other thing that I think is impressive here, I think we all expected LAFC to sell out, right? It's a smaller stadium. It's downtown. They had, what, 20, 20K there? That, that's what we expect. Were you surprised at the 25,000 for the Galaxy opener? I was. I was. And also the, the, uh, the general attendance where the grass section is above the scoreboard, that was pretty full as well. Listen, the Galaxy are used to this, the Galaxy of the past, the Galaxy that was a playoff contender. This Galaxy, one playoff appearance in the last five seasons, they needed to turn things around. They needed a different vibe around what is that fan base. And I was there in that stadium calling it for Deportes. Mm-hmm. You could feel it. There's something special going on. You could feel it. There was something special going on. How special do we feel, though, about Chicharito's 
pregame fit because that was really what everybody was discussing online. So I think it's a perfect time for our latest installment of dripping or tripping. Herc, it looked like you pulled this out of your closet. What's going on here? <laughs> you're a hater, but you're absolutely right. Sans, sans those goofy pants and the bowling bag, okay? But yes, this does look like a shirt I would wear uh, on TV um, for ESPN. <laughs> yes, maybe on Auto Nunca. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see it on Auto Nunca. I could see that. It would fit the color scheme uh, of the show. So what's the, what's the final grade here that we're giving uh, Javier El Chicharito okay. Hernandez? Now, let me just say, do not put the graphic up yet. Listen to me really quick, production. The shirt is dripping, but the combo's dripping. He looks like an extra extra on the Big Lebowski. I mean, let's be honest. What's going on with the bands and the bowling bag or little thing going? I don't know. The shirt, I love. I would actually rock that shirt. I may even own that shirt. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. As the uh, weekly loser in our fashion showdown, Cirque, I will, uh, I will refrain from my opinion. But uh, it's an interesting look, nonetheless, from Chicharito. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Quickly here, uh, how about the ending between the Timbers and the Revs? Three second-half goals, including Herc Yimichara's game-tying bicycle kick, which led to absolute scenes in Portland. Yeah, it was Aspria, and then like two minutes after the Ayan Aspria, it's this, Sebastian Legette. Oh, oh, there are a lot of fans who don't like that. A lot of people don't like this goal. Why are you doing this, Sebastian Legette? And then, uh, well, yeah, Jimmy Chara is going to uh, take care of that. I need to tie this up. Why don't I just, yeah, I could bring this down and turn with my left foot. No, let me just bike it. Ooh. Let me just bike it with the outside of my foot. No problem. I'll go ahead and do that. By the way, hell of a game. Yes. Uh, by two very good teams, a very good home team, and the New England Revolution that came to play. Game finishes 2-2 uh, revs without Matt Turner. The bad. Both our wooden spoon picks are looking pretty good. Cincinnati and Charlotte losing by a combined 8-0 on opening weekend. Uh, Cincinnati 5-0 to Austin and Charlotte 3-0 to DC United. I'm going to be honest. I expected uh, Charlotte. Cristina Ortiz on loan from Cholos. Not looking like the solution up front. Jordi Reina not going to be enough. Okay, very thin offensive options. I expected this even at the hands of DC United. I did not expect Cincinnati eating 5 on the road versus Austin. I came out of nowhere. Mm. Yep. Wait, you were surprised that Cincinnati shipped five goals? That was, did yes. we not do this show last season? No, Seb, last <laughs> season, if you make a change, if you make a change and you've had these defensive woes, the one thing you come into opening day with a new coach is, hey, you don't eat five. All right, what about the ugly reports of a yelling match between Matias Almeida and Quakes fans towards the end of San Jose's 3-1 loss to the New York Red Bulls? Herc, the divorce here feels imminent. Yeah, lo que empieza mal termina mal. What starts out the wrong way ends up the wrong way. Look, Matias Almeida, he's now getting into fights with the fan base. They were yelling like you're only interested in the money, and it was close to his family. He took exception, shouting back and forth per reports. It's, it just wasn't a good fit from the beginning, Seb. One of the most beloved coaches in all of CONCACAF is now turning into a, like, honestly, a cartoon character right before our very eyes. It's, it's sad. A couple weeks ago, uh, he was in an interview and said, quote, in 10 months, I'm free. Uh, that sounds like commitment, doesn't it? Uh, here was some <laughs> commitment. We are committed to ESPN on Sunday. More, uh, more MLS on ESPN. We got Austin FC. Uh, let's see if they can keep it up against Inter-Miami, who uh, played part in a thrilling scoreless draw against Chicago over the weekend. That's this Sunday on ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, to Liga MX. Uh, semana de saca técnicos. Coaches out. Let's start in Monterrey with Rayados, who suffered a 2-0 home defeat to Atlético San Luis on Saturday. Hours later, the club announcing Javier El Vasco Aguirre had been relieved of his duties after 15 months in charge. His replacement expected to be Victor Manuel Bucetich, the so-called Rey Miras, because of his golden touch. It'll be his uh, second stint with Rayadas. Uh, Herc, Javier Aguirre, under pressure for a while, was he finally then deserving of the sack? Yeah, I mean, the numbers will tell us absolutely so. I think the overall wins-losses record was like a plus two for him. Uh, This is a very expensive manager with the most expensive team in Liga Mekisa, one of the most expensive in Latin America. We say it so much on this program. 16th place last season. Mm Mm-hmm. Ninth place this season at this moment. Yeah, they won CCL. That's fine. But Monterrey has won CCL before. In fact, the previous two coaches that were there won CCL. Diego Alonso won CCL, and then he lost it at the hands of Tigres. He's out that very game, okay? Mohamed, Antonio Mohamed, yeah, okay, he won CCL, but then he played a final, a league final at the hands of Tigres in Monterrey. Lost that. He's out. Do you know what the common theme here is? Tigres. It's Tigres. So Tigres' success is the ghost that haunts Javier Aguirre. I guarantee you, if Tigres doesn't go as far as they did in the Club World Cup, regardless of the failure that was the Club World Cup for Monterrey, this doesn't happen. It's a reality. They are chasing shadows. That shadow being Tigres. Was this deserved? Yeah, listen. He's a servant of the numbers. The numbers are right there. They're cold and hard to swallow, but it is what it is. Production. Next time he, he takes a, a wild left turn towards Teletigres, please just cut his mic. Please just cut his mic. Well, this is about Rayados am right I now. Who, who currently, yes, you are wrong. Currently, right now, they're 16th with five points from five games so far this season. So uh, things are bad. A couple, yeah, a couple. Yeah, you got your, your season yeah. mixed up, but let's not be persnickety. Yeah. Uh, a couple things I would point out here. One, the power of the fans, right? Clearly, Rayados fans had had, had enough. There was Why a tension are they around so the team. Upset? Because of the FIFA Club World Cup, which was the other because point I was going to make. Because Tigres got so far. But look at the weight of the FIFA Club World Cup. Craig Burley was calling it a plastic trophy. I don't know look who that is. Look at how much influence, how much weight it had here. I don't know who here. you just mentioned. It's literally, Herc, literally the reason Javier Aguirre is no longer Rayados manager. The plastic trophy that is the FIFA Club World Cup. So that's one manager that didn't Two survive the wins. weekend. Let's turn our attention to a couple of managers who did survive the weekend, although I think we're both a little bit surprised. Uh, we'll start with Chivas, who blew a 2-0 halftime lead and end up losing 3-2 against league-leading Puebla on Saturday. Uh, Herc Chivas usually gets all the calls. In this game, though, Chivas fans were very upset with the officiating. Uh, did they have a case? Were, were Chivas robbed? Uh, come on, man. It just sounds like excuses. You're up 2-0 at home. Stop making excuses. Is that a foul on Chicote? Is that what we're saying? That's the reason Chivas lost? Wait, is the reason is the reason that Alexis uh, Vega got sent off due to Puebla as well, the refereeing as well? Was it not him who insulted a referee and now is going to have a two-match ban for said insult? Listen, say what you want. They lost, okay? And they lost again in a position of advantage. 
Third straight defeat uh, for Chivas and Marcelo Michel Leaño. That was earlier Saturday, oh. late Saturday night. We had Pumas hosting next to last place America. It ended in a scoreless draw between uh, the two teams in the Mexican capital. Remember, this was the so-called ultimatum game for America's manager Santiago Solari, who is now three straight without a victory for Las Aguilas. They are still tied, by the way, tied with Santos. Uh, although, actually, technically, they're not in last place anymore. America has the edge on goal differential, which last place. Is, is something to be celebrated uh, at this point. Uh, Pumas play the final 10 minutes of this game. A man down. Diogo, one of their forwards, was sent off in the 81st as uh, America could not get the victory. All right, so Herc, who is next to get the sack? Solari or Leaño? It's Santiago Solari. There's really no question. Michel Año ain't going nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Ricardo Pelaez, Amaury uh, Vergara, they're in it with them. They're not going to make any... It's not even rash. They're just not going to make a decision on, on uh, what is Leaño. But look at Santiago Solari. Santiago Solari should have been out a long time ago. Now, for one second, let's ignore that they're tied for last place in Liga MX. You cannot ignore that as an America fan. You, you cannot. Listen, listen. Let's for one second try to ignore that. Let's also for one second try to ignore that they are the third worst offensive team, or sorry, defensive team in all of Mexico. And that they're a very bad offensive team. And they've got one of the worst goal differentials in all of Mexico. I'm ignoring Football. a lot. Negative five. Let's ignore all that. Can you ignore their upcoming schedule? Next 10 games, okay? In those 10 games, they've got Monterrey, very good squad. They could turn things around. Chivas, a Clásico. Cholos in Tijuana, a very complicated place to play. Leon, very good team. Tigres, the team of the season so far, offensive juggernaut. And they close out the season with Cruz Azul. Those are six very losable games for Santiago Solari. He ain't making it this season. Yeah. Can I just say it was so disappointing as an America fan to watch this game. This was, as we said, the supposed well, not just like America fans. What a ultim- boring game. I know, but it was it was the ultimatum game. So you think, okay, like here's where he's gonna, and yeah. it's a classical. Here's where we're gonna see Solari roll the dice. Let's see it. And then actually, when you first saw the lineup, you said, okay, he might be doing it. This is about as attacking a lineup as he could field. Then for 80 minutes, we watched them try to not lose a game. That's a game what it was. That they had to win. Thank you. They, had to, they tried not to lose it at a place, Seu, by the way, where they've lost once in their last 11. It's not some house of horrors for America. They've gone there and had plenty of success in the past. It's so disappointing. And then when the red card comes in 10 minutes to go, you say, okay, now's the time. Now's the time to throw the kitchen sink. Solari waits another 10 minutes before doing the obvious thing. Take a defender on, bring in a tackle. only off. sub. Let's go get these three points. His only I mean, yeah. It is it is so conservative, and if you're going to be that conservative at this a estas alturas, you're cooked. It's it's over. The only reason he's still in the job, I think, is because they got a game in 24 hours. They got to play Querétaro on Tuesday. Let's see how that goes. Uh, that could certainly uh, be the decisive one here. All right. In case you missed it, Herc, one more thing from Liga MX over the weekend. How about this save, or should I say these saves? From Carlos Acevedo of Santos against Cruz Azul. What is there? One on the penalty and then like three or four more? Yeah, it's about four. Uh, and people are asking themselves, why not Del Tri? I'll tell you why. He's way too young. He's nah. only 25 years of age. To be a goalkeeper on El Tri in that roster, you got to be over 36 minimum. <laughs> He was uh, asked about it after the game, after uh, such a performance, which Santos won 2-1 over Cruz Azul. His quote, La selección llegará en su momento. 
The national team will come in its moment. Mm. Acevedo with a big save for Santos against Cruz Azul. Time for our parting shot. We've all had one eye on the news this past week as reports of Russia's invasion of Ukraine dominate the headlines. Of course, the ramifications in the world of soccer. FIFA and UEFA issuing a joint statement Monday confirming all Russian national teams and clubs have been suspended until further notice. That means the men's national team out of the World Cup, the women's national team out of the upcoming European Championships this summer. Herc, your thoughts? About time. I mean, innocent people's lives are at stake. So for FIFA to take this long, it's, it's disheartening. But it, you got there. And for people who don't want to mix, mix politics with the sport, they've been mixed since the inception of what is football. It's the inception of the sport. It goes hand in hand. And it took a financial blow to Russia's potential uh, money-making at said competition to actually get something like this going. And, yeah, it's going to take a financial blow like that to make it stop. Look, I was in Moscow for the 2018 World Cup with you. I was in the room at the FIFA Council when the Internet went out and Vladimir Putin came in. And I saw Gianni Infantino with my own eyes, with the World Cup trophy in front of him, use the World Cup to validate Vladimir Putin and Vladimir Putin's government. So, as we think about the next World Cup in Qatar, we should think about what we're validating. It's a government that makes homosexuality illegal. We've seen migrant workers die while building these stadiums. So what is FIFA validating as we get set to head to Qatar in another four months? And what will be the cost if they don't act before that, as we've seen the cost yeah. here? Well said. All right, that's it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Thursday, and we will be back with Pellegrino Matarazzo of Stuttgart, an interview with the American-born Bundesliga manager. Don't miss it. Don't forget to download the Football Americas podcast. Yeah.